0: Welcome. This is 372 Pages We'll Never Get Back. I'm Mike Nelson, and with me... Hey, Connor La What's happening, Mike? Good morning. Good morning. How are you?
1: I'm good. You know, it's... uh, it's, Winter's eking out its last gasp here, and the uh, crack of the bat and the smell of the grass is soon approaching for baseball season, so... Eyes on the prize.
0: That's true. An announcement about that. We're going to be seeing some baseball soon, you and I, but
1: when are we going to be doing that? Well, it's uh, it's going to be uh, April 10th, uh, <laughs> not to confuse everybody, because uh, we're seeing the Twins game in Minneapolis the day before our live show, which is on April 11th. That's right, April 11th,
0: we have the... Like Trees Walking, 372 pages, we'll never get back. Combined, I don't know, are we going to fight on stage? We'll do something. We'll, we'll make some sort of spectacle uh, live in Minneapolis at Sisyphus Brewing.
1: We're going to assemble into two-fifths of a uh, giant mech and then uh, snap power <laughs> lines across our chest like Godzilla.
0: And then as we storm the audience, we're going to split into two columns. What are we <laughs> doing, you'll say to yourself? You won't know. Anyway, this is the show where we talk about the work of Ernest Klein. We have talked about Ready Player One. We are in the middle of Armada. We'll get to that in a second. But uh first I wanna we're joined by a special guest. Did you know this, Connor? We have a special guest today.
1: Oh my god. Is it uh Hamlet's father?
0: <laughs> no. I'll give you a, of I'll give you a hint. We'll start eliminating things that he's not. He is not a gunter. Not, okay. At least not well. He's not a professional gunter. We'll Dali ask him Llama. if he's done something. <laughs> wow. How did you yeah, that's that, two and done. Yeah. That's an come. assumption
1: on my part though about the Dalai <laughs> Lama.
0: Yeah, that's uh, pretty presumptuous. We have on the line our our co co-potter, co co-person, co I don't know what do you call it, when you do a live podcast and then you have three people the doing Part
1: of verse something like that. Part,
0: part of the pod-verse, yeah. Well he is uh, he is on the line. This is the right reverend. David Berge, my co-host for our normal podcast, Like Trees Walking. David, good morning. Hey, good morning. Good to talk with you guys. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Excited to be here. Dave, just because it is the morning, you don't have to be a morning DJ. <laughs> you are a reverend, sir. Come on.
2: Mercury's going to be be playing tag with uh, 42 degrees today. It's going to be a beautiful
0: one in the twins <laughs> Wow! I can't That's wait so till funny. you you post up. We're going to do a song, and then you're going to post right up, right up to the
2: vocals. Oh, I, I listen. I can. I'll always hit the post.
0: All right. Dave, tell the folks listening about what we are doing at this live event, which we've already said is April 11th at Sisyphus Brewing, Minneapolis, Minnesota.
2: Yes. Uh, so we are combining these two podcasts around a, and, and this was, I don't want to take too much credit, but uh, I'll take it anyways, in reading. So I'm not just a uh, co-host with Mike. I'm also a fan of 372 pages. Um uh, Yes, and I, you guys, I, w- I started uh, listening to it without having read any of Ready Player One. I never <laughs> heard of <it>. Madness, <laughs> madness. Know, and it was crazy. So I did, uh, and I was on a huge wait list at the library, but finally I got it on my Kindle. And oh, so oh. I, I read along. I read Ready Player One. I have to be honest, uh, Armada, I did get from the library, and I, can- I haven't been able to make it more than two chapters. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's unreadable. <laughs> um, uh but uh, there was – I just noticed, especially with that early atheist greed, I thought – what I, it was just – I was taken aback, and Mike kind of introduced me to the broader Klein oeuvre of his well, – since I've since regrettably discovered his spoken word work. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which makes me, if only further, it's another data point in my um, basically rejection of spoken word as, a, as like a useful genre of Yo, man, human yeah. performance. Take that as what you will. But I thought, wow, this would be a really fruitful conversation. It would be really interesting to uh, just explore uh, for the further Kleiniverse with you guys. And since the movie is coming, what great timing. Since Steven Spielberg's mm-hmm. uh, take on this is coming out at the, end of, uh, at the end of March. I thought, wow, this will be a, a, a fruitful time uh to to get our pods together talking about Ernest Klein and the themes we see in his work and uh, just you know continuing to rip on the guy I thought would be fun to do. In front of the- <laughs>
0: hey, we give him his fair shake. But uh, tell the folks what exactly is Like Trees Walking. What do oh, so you and like- I do on that? Because um, who knows how much people cross over and listen. So a little explanation.
2: I think, yeah, I think not much. And don't worry, you don't have to listen to either podcast to enjoy this or have read any of the books to enjoy the show. But our podcast, uh, which we've been doing for uh, coming up on two years now, I think this summer. the uh, The idea is we talk about the big topics, so um, philosophy, uh, theology, religion, and culture. Um, it's done. You know, I'm a I'm a pastor. Mike is my congregant, so it's it's from a Christian perspective. But we say that we. And Mike cheerfully mixed metaphors in the early days, and we go with this. We uh, we we are a stall at the table in the marketplace of ideas. So, um,
3: ah,
0: does that that paints a pretty clear picture in your mind of what this podcast is? it's <laughs> yeah.
2: almost
1: Kleinian, actually. Yeah, that was my that was my
0: actual first stab at uh, what what we did with our podcast. We've refined it, we've honed it, we've sanded the edges off of that saying since then.
2: Yeah. So we we say that we talk about, you know, things that one could consider serious without taking ourselves too seriously. Too so. seriously.
0: Yes. Yeah. Uh, but it's going to be light and lively, and uh, and then we'll get into uh, Ready Player One, or uh, Armada, excuse me. Well, no, Ready Player One. We won't no, be talking great, Armada. I think yeah.
3: we can safely
0: leave Armada behind. Yeah, I, we're going to be done by that point in time, and <laughs> the
1: folks will be out of our
0: house. The the audience just collectively went, uh, they gasped for a second, and, Armada, and then, then they relaxed. <laughs> but, and, oh, okay, it's Ready Player
2: One. Guys, yeah. I, I think we'll have seen the movie at that point so we can you guys can obviously give your uh, your take on on the movie yeah. and uh, and yeah there's some so we'll see if uh Hey we'll wait was if, that your sidekick the baby there in the background? <laughs> no. I have two children at home currently of, of my three, so I'm in the ba- I'm hiding in the basement, hoping they don't find me. This is the baby's
1: got- down on Hennepin. He's going to be uh, <laughs> asking ladies uh, questions in a diaper.
0: <laughs> I was actually on a program once where that happened. I kid you not. No, you're- no I'm not kidding you. Uh, Someone
2: in a diaper was asking people questions.
0: Yes, yes. He he made that up on the spot. I swear, my hand on the Bible, Dave. Uh, Kevin okay. Murphy. Kevin Murphy was with me, so he will attest wow. to it. Yeah. It was our morning thing, <laughs> it's like,
2: Mike. This is gold material. Save it for our. Save it as a story for our. Uh, okay. For our so so I, I, I have a question about the live thing. What is like?
1: What was the process of of like engineering these trees so that they were able to walk? Because this is like, oh. this sort of is oh, troubling to me. Oh dear. Okay. Oh, oh. oh, Just go listen.
2: Just listen to the pilot, honor. Uh, <laughs> all, right, all right. All right. Well, I've got a lot of questions. This
1: seems like a cover up or something is going on here. Cause... <laughs>
0: All right, so April eleventh, we will all be at Sisyphus Brewing, and by all, I mean all of you people listening as well. But uh,
2: of yeah. course, Pastor Bergie will be brewing. there. Brewing dot com, it's yeah. there. You can t- tickets are selling fast. I can tell you that you so can see true. ticket sales. Yeah, well, there's a limit. I know how, how big the room is, and I can see how many tickets <laughs> are left. Ooh, so, nice. so yeah, I can. So tell, people can-
0: should do it quickly. Yeah, it's a small room. Yeah,
2: they should, you know, yeah, this more is, than... This is say not
0: say more the than Enormo Dome in Minneapolis. Yeah. We're not going to be...
2: And they might, might run out of beer, so, like... You know, yeah, and it's, it's actually go. a great room. It's like an 85-seat room, and it's got the classic brick wall. Oh, yeah. So you're going
0: to wear an unconstructed jacket, push up your sleeves, and make <laughs> observations? I assume.
2: <laughs> I mean, what's the deal with Ready Player One?
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: What uh, if his insanely hot mom was one of the Golden Girls
1: instead? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think it would go a little something like this. All right, David, thank you so much. Good luck with the baby. And uh, we'll see you uh, April 11th at Sisyphus. See
2: you in a couple weeks. Yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, Godspeed, gentlemen. I'm looking forward to listening to these uh, next two episodes. uh, I hope you survive.
0: Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, David. So there you have it. There's all the information about the live show. We'll see you there. And I love saying that tickets are going fast. We, you heard it yeah. from a reverend. So <laughs> there's, there's no way that we're lying about this.
1: Yes. There was a, just a big uh, crack of lightning somewhere in Minneapolis. And it uh, <laughs> was struck, struck down. Um, now, yeah, th- that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm, uh, I've invited everyone that I know in Minneapolis. So that is four people.
0: Right. And I'm, I'm well...
1: Bridget and I are two well, of them, so. Well, yeah, no, yeah, everyone that is not involved with with Rip Tricks, I should I say. See. I know okay. Right. totally, nine people if you count uh, bees. Oh, wow, well, yeah, wow. Well, should invite your Facebook friends.
0: That'll be half our crowd. Um,
3: <laughs>
0: now, look, if I was going to sum up what we have going, this, coming up on this episode, uh, obviously we have our regular departments. Oh, we have a leaked scene. I didn't tell oh. you my sources I mean, in the industry came through again. I had a question about how are you going to handle this? Boom. They sent me uh, a short leak scene. So that's exciting.
1: Yeah, at this point of the movie, like more of the movie is is unleaked than is leaked.
0: Yeah, I think you could construct from our podcast, you could yeah. construct a pretty good facsimile <laughs> of the entire movie. You wouldn't have the visuals, but really, does that matter at this point? Yeah, I
1: guess so. <laughs> I'm curious what these actors look like, though. I mean... Yeah, Um, they do. They sound very
0: uh, charming and handsome. But yeah, who knows? Uh, We, of course, have the dumb sentence of the week. We have the boring sentence of the week and uh, a lot to get through. And then I'm going to tease at the end. There's someone, I got a phone call and someone was not happy about what we're doing here at 372 pages. (laughs) This is a person of note, a person who, it it rocked my world. And, uh, that is on an upcoming episode but I'll tease it at the end as well and uh, <laughs> so right. that should be exciting so here where are we in the book we are you know our hero was whisked away to the moon to fight yes. the forces and this is 3 chapters later and where are we in the story
1: it's uh, it's still on the moon. Our hero is like, well, on the
0: moon, and we're still waiting
1: for the invasion. Waiting for the guys. Yeah, when he arrived at the moon, it was six hours to go, and now we're at like two hours and forty minutes or something like that. So they've they've been drawing it out, and you know we've said it before that a lot of his writing is like a uh, kid who is unprepared for their high school presentation and who gets up there and uh, and rambles and uh, restates his his main things, and that's what this sort of seems like. I don't know if you can call this a short story drawn out to book length, or just a sort of idea uh, drawn out to book length. Yeah. I guess it could be a movie length, but it also would be a perfectly fine you know, sitcom pilot on HBO, I mean a TV pilot on HBO, so there's, it's been pretty drawn out.
0: It's drawn out, but if, if I were to sum up what is to come in these chapters that we're going to talk about today, if I were a cheese ball, I would start playing Marvin yeah. Gaye's Let's Get It On. Oh, Luckily,
3: but...
0: <laughs> oh yeah, uh huh. <laughs> There's gonna be some loving on this episode of 372 pages.
1: And now but, you have an intern in a diaper somewhere.
0: Oh, oh, uh, turd. That was the <laughs> that was the actual uh, intern on the street of
1: Man Cow. I think we did a couple episodes of. You remember Man oh, Cow? Uh, I mean, I remember that that existed. We might have done a National High Five Day interview with him in the early days of that. I mean, you don't forget a name like Man Cow. So.
0: There, a, a, a brief sidetrack. Um, I was once on Mancow. He had me on for a couple <laughs> things, for books and things, which I was always grateful for. But it's a very confusing experience because he's got a lot of – he's got a soundboard, and you become kind of part of his soundboard. He's not really interested in interviewing right. you, so to speak. <laughs> and uh, David Cross – who I'd never met from, you know, David Cross, uh-huh. Arrested yeah. Development, et cetera, was also on the line, and he just said, Hey, David Cross, do you want to talk to Mike Nelson? And David Cross goes, I, I don't know, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and so he, he opened up both lines, and David Cross was like, What's happening? <laughs> and it was one of the most awkward things that has ever. I'm like, Hey, David. It's like, Yeah, what?
1: <laughs> it was a professional version with uh, popular comedians of that prank where you... uh dial two people and just let them talk to each other as you sit back
0: yeah and then he you know turned on the fart machine and put me out of the and and then you sit there in the dark listening going am i going back on so that was the last time i was on man cow years ago all right so we set the stage already so we're at chapter 19 and uh
1: get it on the, the uh
0: yeah this was uh one hell of a phase i did note that we are at the end of a phase and uh it's become okay. one of my favorite phases, I have to say, number two is.
1: Right, so it starts with a quote about H.G. Wells, who I assume, you know, suffered through World War II. See, before that, even. No, he's anyway. before that, yeah. He okay. probably was but at anyway. the end of World War I. He probably lived right. I don't so know. He, he has a quote about war there, but then it goes straight into our hero uh, walking into a room where uh, Dark Side of the Moon is playing, uh, weed is being smoked, and uh, he spends, well, how the author describes it, a few minutes listening to Shin and Cushmaster discuss their favorite Robotech episodes.
0: <laughs> That's so exactly
1: are, right. Yep. They're talk, they talking Robotech, uh, and he walks in and then listens to them discuss that for a few minutes, possibly because he's intrigued, possibly because he's just awkward enough that he doesn't know how to interrupt them.
0: And Robotech, that was, I did not immediately, you I, might be surprised to hear this. I did not, not have that there. at the on the tip of my uh, tongue there. I didn't, so I looked it up. It's just an 80s a classic 80s. I'm sorry, classic yes. 80s anime show. Is that correct?
1: I, I have no idea. Um, it it's was something on, about on, a. On.
0: a, a, a uh, I think it's a little on the nose too. From the description, British. I didn't watch anything. It was, uh. it, yeah, it was about a you know invasion from uh, <laughs> Europans from the moon or so. I, I don't know. But Maybe hey. their
1: favorite episode was the one that was exactly like this one. <laughs> yes. What we're experiencing now.
0: And then, uh, and then they make a strange announcement, Shin uh milo right
1: yeah well, well yeah he will shin scrambles to his feet once he learns that zach is there he says he looks mortified which i i surely the idea that someone was going to walk in on you as you as you cranked dark side of the moon and, and started smoking weed must have occurred to you but he's uh he's <laughs> terrified
0: well, really one of the only th- three chambers you can be in as i
1: yes. right i think so. yeah it's not it's not like, yeah, <laughs> right. It's, it's one of the three that looks like a golf ball on top of a shot glass. So they had to have right. assumed people would be gathering back there. But yeah, they, uh, they announced that I thought this was, it was, this is sort of the thing where like Klein thinks that something is, is clever and like, but he doesn't really take into account like what the, what the real world, uh, implications of it would be true. He says that Shin uh, Milo is saying uh, Shin told me that the EDA spent decades engineering a special strain of weed that helps people focus and enhances their ability to play video games. Once they had it per- perfected, that was when the government finally started legalizing it in the states. So if you if you take that at its face, like we have to for everything here, that means that the EDA was like, yeah, no, keep the uh, the drug war going. Um, you know, keep <laughs> mm-hmm. keep. Uh, Patting down people and uh, locking up minorities at a at a hi- highly greater rate than other people, but you know we're fine with that until we get this video game weed down
0: <laughs> yeah have have the uh the feds raid the dispensaries in the states where it has been you know <laughs> yes. moderately legalized right. you know quote unquote and uh right and we'll keep this going until we decide to release <laughs> yeah. the cross the border wars are absolutely the bloodiest thing that we've seen in decades. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's keep it going until we yeah. perfect our kush. stream.
3: <laughs>
1: yes. Oh, yeah. Idi- idiocy. That that one stood out to me. Like, you know, not nothing really gets me particularly riled up about his writing, but that was just like, you idiot. Like, for, for God's sake, <laughs> this is just, yeah. you you didn't need to put that line in the book.
0: So they finished smoking their sweet Yoda kush, which was a, that was a uh, fanfic one that I read, I think just last, yes. yeah, just yeah, last right. week. It yeah. me, yeah. yeah. Uh, Milo says, oh, he says, where, are, where is everyone? Um, mm-hmm. They all snuck off to bone each other, Milo announced. <laughs> this, is the, this is one of the things that I love. He, uh, he runs out of the, the ways to describe how people talk, and so Milo <laughs> announced that. Right. Wodey and Chen, then Debbie snuck off with Graham. Now, Graham is Major Graham Fogg who is a very proper British, he is a decorated admiral, right? I mean, so is Shen. So is right. Shen, right?
1: Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. they're, they're both, um, you know, they've, they've been up there. I don't know if they've won three Medal of Honors, but you have to assume they've been participating in those same missions.
0: Yeah, they've been there for years. They are the three musketeers. I assume that they have <laughs> decorations of their own. I mean, I'd, I'd keep shoveling decorations at them if they were the three right, guys yeah, exactly. protecting us from uh, <laughs> annihilation on the dark yeah. side of the moon.
1: Shin stubbed his toe, give him a purple heart, that ought to hold him.
0: Yeah. But no, they sit and they lay on the ground, they smoke koosh, and they say, um, you know, they speculate about whether you're actually, our universe is the, in the fingernail of a giant and all of that garbage. <laughs> <laughs> and then the uh, others go off to to bone like college students.
1: Right. Yeah. So this, this, I just thought about, you know, it must be a common trope in the uh, 80s films that the author is so fond of, but there's always like... When there's like a a group of, you know, young 13, 12 year old boys stand by me kind of thing. There's always the one who's like the expert on sex. Mm hmm. You know, even though it it becomes clear to the audience that he has no idea what he's talking about, but he's always like, yeah, this is what people do. And this is written by like that perspective of, you know, this 13 year old boy who's never done anything sexual. Who's like, yeah, well, if the world was ending, like everyone would just want to have sex. So that's like, you know, that's your best opportunity, man. You just have to go for it. Right. That's (laughs) the
0: a campfire discussion of 12 year olds is exactly what is happening here.
1: Because, like, you know, is Debbie, like, looking at her phone to see if the government has activated the ability to call her three children as they're, you know, (laughs) like, rolling around in the, wherever they are doing, like,
0: (laughs) it doesn't make any sense, man. No, but she, maybe she took a a hit of that kush, and, uh, you know, it relaxed (laughs) her, and. Made Remember her all about them. It opened her up to the idea of uh, rolling in the sheets with Major Graham I'd yeah.
1: <laughs> Be ever so happy if you could—I don't know—go off for a little session of uh, boning, perhaps. Right. <laughs> And they did. I mean, you know, I just thought about this, but they did just, you know, stuff them, stuff their faces with the last thing. So it's like the idea of like finishing Thanksgiving when, you know, your dad is unbuttoning his belt and everyone's like passing out in front of the TV to watch football. And but they're like, (laughs) nope, horny. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And
0: uh, so he was. it escalates. Yeah, it escalates. Go ahead, because I'm sure we have the same paragraph uh, highlighted. So uh, give it to me.
1: Yeah, so the uh, – he I don't remember what he says, but he – he Zach says something, and then the two of them made eyes at each other for a few seconds until my clueless ass finally figured out what was going on. As my mother was often fond of pointing out to me, my gaydar was just plain broken. <laughs> so there's – there's a guy named Rob Bricken who used to uh, do these reviews of fan fiction on io9 and topless robot. He's a friend of Riftrex. Mm-hmm. but, uh, he would, he would read these fan fictions and then sort of put in, you know, riffing them, um, in between the paragraphs and stuff. And so when he got to the, uh, to the parts that were just so insane, you know, when Sonic was impregnating, uh, the president or whatever, <laughs> uh, he would just post the still of the guy in Scanner's head exploding. And so that was, uh, that was my reaction right here. <laughs> Uh, I
0: I noted just a little bit earlier that Milo m- makes that announcement. You know, and I can't say I blame them. Milo said we're all facing the possibility of imminent death. Why not throw caution to the wind and go out with a bang, so to speak? And Shin Admiral Shin says, "I was just thinking the same thing." <laughs> so that Admiral, he uh, eyes on the prize, man. The, the invasion of yes. Earth is coming, but he was thinking the same thing.
1: Right. Yeah, they they just wanted to to get to like you know money and dark side of the moon before they were all you know finally horned up to go. Yeah, but yeah. So his mother was often fond of pointing out to him that his gaydar was broken.
0: She was fond of it, number one, which is a (laughs) weird. (laughs) And she was she just relished the
1: opportunity every time you know that he was you know thirteen and he was like on a you know, uh, coach pitch uh, baseball team with some kids. She'd be like, "Hey, you know, like you didn't notice, but the second baseman is." Gay as hell. So,
0: and mm-hmm. when he was maybe when it wasn't even yeah, wasn't warranted at all, like when he was stuffing his face with her meatloaf recipe, <laughs> and he she would just point out, <laughs> "I love that you're doing this." However, you're gay. Reruns his, reruns
1: of the match game. Are on, and she's you know looking, seeing if he notices that Charles Nelson Riley has a. <laughs> and then,
0: so now it's getting down to the time. Right, there's a clock in this chapter. I didn't. There is. I didn't really pay attention <laughs> to it myself.
1: No, well, the the thing that was notable about it is not what it's saying, but how it says it, because he uses a very unconventional time signature, which is, uh, you know, we figured this out, you know, zero two colon thirty three colon forty three. Yeah. Two hours. But he does this weird thing of which, you know, at first it was just confusing. But then the next time he showed the clock, it said zero one H zero zero M zero zero S. And so, multiple people have written into us about that, just because it looks like it says one hummus. <laughs> and and and, uh, re- and listener Janelle wrote in to say, uh, uh, the numbers say one hummus, and it made me think of the cow rig hummus, one hell of a rig cow shirts. It's all connected."
0: This is a new conspiracy theory. <laughs> so th- everybody reassembles, and this is what he h- here's how he describes it. Sometime later, I heard my father greet Debbie Chen and Wodey. Milo, Shin, and Graham a few minutes after that. And they were all staggered, I assume, due to all the showering, I guess.
1: (laughs) I can only assume. Right. Uh, Mr. Major Warnham Hogg was just smoking a cig after Debbie left, but she was, you know, she doesn't do that because she's religious or something. Right. And then Uh, Debbie
0: does... so. Finally, Debbie gets her chance, so they, they go live with the greeting, which we'll get to in a minute, but Debbie was standing nearby, staring down at her QCOM display, waiting for the moment when she could finally call her boys right. to tell them about all the bonin. I, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> right.
1: Remember how uh, we don't have a dad? I don't remember what happened with him, but uh, you know, if we make it through with this, I've got a, a new boyfriend that I want you to meet, and you call him dad. You do not call <laughs> him by his first name. She's, she's very in on that from the very beginning. <laughs>
0: His first name is Sir Dennis Eaton, and then his last name is Hogg or whatever the hell
1: it is. <laughs> uh, but they all gathered. This is another one that I just, you know, five exclamation part points in the book when I read it. But uh, we all gathered in front of the command station to watch the president of the United States address the nation from the Oval Office on live television. She smiled reassuringly at the camera. Oh, yes. <laughs> but the fear in her eyes was evident. So that's uh, good, good guy Klein is finally... Uh, is finally putting that little twist in there. And it just reminded me as it a was hero. very, yes, is. he's he's a true hero. It reminded me of a, uh, David Brent on the office. You know, he would, he would say that and he would turn and look at the camera as he said, her, um, right. as he was, <laughs> I, I went, and rewatched, you know, free love on the free love freeway just to uh, sort of see that. But, you know, it's just very much like, you didn't think that was possible, did you? A, uh, a female president? Well, you know, welcome to my The surgeon world
0: is a woman. Uh-huh.
1: Exactly. Yeah. How, how could he be treating his own son? You are not as advanced as I am. So there's been nothing to uh, to to say that that was going to be the case. It doesn't matter at all. He's been, you know, the same sort of Klein, just you know, you know, horning in on uh, hot um, pixie dream girls. But uh, but the president's a woman, so maybe that makes up for it.
0: That does totally. He glanced around the room. By the way, saw Shin talking quietly with Milo nearby. Graham and Debbie were doing the same thing. Wodey and Chen were both squeezed into Chen's pod, seizing their last <laughs> chance to make out.
1: Yes. <laughs> I mean, good for Chen. You know, like you know, if he's raring to go that quickly, that's. Uh...
0: I guess did this happen before like doolittles Raiders and stuff like that where you know, <laughs> before that they were just like making out in the bushes before they had to you know there's a lot to work out here, right we 're going on a mission
3: right you exactly. know when the
0: blue angels before they go up they have you ever seen that they sit in a room silently for like hours and huh. they go through their stick motions together with their eyes closed. Wow. Because it's so precise and it's, <laughs> and you have to be there doing it. You know, this is they're not sitting there making out and smoking.
1: <laughs> I was wondering why they couldn't, you know, just launch a bit early and sort of be prepared. But I, I guess they have a battery or something on the ship. So they couldn't just be, you know, hooping, you know again, it doesn't matter. But you know, I, so they rewatched the whole film that they've already seen, which seemed like a good use of time. And then they have this sort of seemingly conspiracy because the announcers are reporting that everyone is just sort of, uh. Doing the right thing, dropping everything to go, try to find a find a spot with good broadband internet access and no lag, obviously mm-hmm. um, since that would be the death of the alliance. Uh,
0: that's the cardinal but, sin of the entire Kleinverse lag.
1: <laughs> he's suspicious and rightfully so that because we we all know that people would be dropping everything to loot you know Nintendo switches or diapers from the store at this moment um, because people have done that for a lot less um, than aliens invading and the end of the world approaching. I was just curious. So the the whole their goal, their stated goal was to um, develop 50 years of Hollywood movies and every video game in existence to prepare people for this moment. But it seems like they also just shot a bunch of footage ahead of time of people dutifully, uh, you know, doing the Starship Troopers, um, you know, I'm doing my part kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it seems like that might have been just a more efficient use of the massive resources of the government. Uh, to just sort of produce those things and loop them in, you know, like the footage of the bus in Speed, just to convince everything that things are going okay, rather than make eight Star Wars movies. Um, well, here,
0: here's a more efficient way. Unlimited money means you find out who's winning. Like, games are going to exist either way. They, you know, they didn't invent them. They just pushed these games on people with the alien themes, Right find the best video game players and give them a million jillion dollars and tell them <laughs> to fight the other cuz they're not they're recruiting a handful of people i mean right these these drones drop it or these uh, sh- drop ships come in and, and escort they don't escort the whole population up onto the moon. They take six people or whatever. Right. So, yes, exactly. it's, really, there had to be a more efficient way than right. to create the video game industry and then mm-hmm. bilk people into Not playing. it,
1: yeah. If you t- if you had done what you know, the if you were paying essentially the salary of every NBA player to video gamers, you'd have <laughs> three hundred more who were who were dedicated to this, and you know they've. You know, managed to keep three of them quiet, even more than that. So, yeah, that might have been better. <laughs> that would probably have been the, the budget of the Star Wars prequels in order to recruit those people. right? So that he, But he gets in touch with
0: Lex and uh, looks at a readout on his QCOM, which is a thing that he does like a tick. Like, I glanced at my QCOM, like, oh, shut up. <laughs> Just, <laughs> but according to the readout, she'd already somehow managed to get herself promoted to captain, and she was still located at Sapphire Station. <laughs> Uh, so this is day one day, less than a day, a battlefield promotion already. Nothing has happened. I mean, she's a non-commissioned officer already. What did she do? Did she take out a nest of uh, machine gunners or something
1: single-handedly? Did she jump on a hand grenade? What happened? I think it goes on to say that she had the high score or something on the ground, but you know, it doesn't, certainly doesn't matter. Like they think that this is probably going to be the end of the, uh, humanity's final run so i'm not sure why they're bothering with any of this formality
0: i assume they're just tossing out battlefield promotions like they're candy or something uh, they're badges in a, in a video game but right exactly she made
1: captain so <laughs>
0: she's now commanding a bunch of people
1: <laughs> um but yeah it's a uh, he he gets in touch with her i think this is where they've reprised in its entirety the uh his father's journal entry about mr miyagi wax off on a global scale i thought that was a fun thing that they mm-hmm. were um they were they were that was profound enough that they wanted to share it in there twice um <laughs> oh that's right you know i was thinking
0: i I got tangled in my head i thought that was a fanfic that we'd read already but <laughs> he did mention that
1: <laughs> but yeah so he, they, they all start calling people except for shin like he picks up a bass guitar and starts playing that Pink Floyd song, and he thinks that's a coincidence, but then he notices – from wherever he is, he notices the practice set list taped to the floor in front of him and saw that that song and several other songs from his father's mixtapes are on the floor in front of him. So I thought that was another good example of his uh, um, good peripheral vision as he's, he's somehow managing to read set lists from his own pod um, across <laughs> the room. Brother. He, but he then, talks so he- to uh,
0: Lex, by the way, he I am sure you have this highlighted. It made me laugh <laughs> out loud. I gave her another salute, then like a goofball, I pretended to poke myself in the eye as I did, just to hear the sound of her laugh. Yes. How'd you get promoted so fast? I asked. So he skips right over. He says nothing about her actually laughing, which I <laughs> I've thought this is an encouraging trait in Lex. I'm starting right. to like her more. Right. He and I was wondering why poking he went
1: himself to the- in the eye. Yeah. When he, why he went to the effort when he could have just been like war games and she would have laughed.
0: Exactly. Or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Mention something uh, they both know. And that's a Atari's
1: joust. And she goes <laughs> on to fits of hysteria. Right. Uh, there was a part with uh, Milo is calling her his father. I thought there was a good moment there um, when she's she sees that he's on the moon. Um, and she's he says she started to wail in fear. There was no other word for it, which is another. It's a, just a you know, yep, that's probably true. What are you doing, man? Like, what is the, what does that flourish have to accomplish?
0: That relates to one of mine too. He nodded his head way too enthusiastically. Yes, I answered (laughs) way too quickly. We have to, I stopped my head from nodding. Yep. So here's the out of body thing again, but it's a great sentence because of the, uh, the repetition of way too i nodded my head way too enthusiastically mm-hmm. yes i answered way too quickly and then stopped <laughs> his head from nodding yes. is he is it going to be a reveal that he is a robot or he's a one of the squids or something is that why he talks like this and doesn't know <laughs> what he's doing all the time
1: <laughs> yeah he's like a, you know the memento guy or something where he has this weird affect that you know at least that was explained in that movie i have um, a,
0: i have another scene that i would like to challenge any uh, talented storyboard artist to do for me. When my father saw his old jacket, he grinned hugely and spent a minute looking over each and every patch. When he finished, he leaned over and hugged me. And I just, I hope this makes the movie a full minute of him grinning hugely and looking over every
1: patch of his old jacket. Admiral, please, sir, the battle is about to start. I I drew a drew a link back to the every second counts at that point in time which it you know has been thrown out the window but uh something else that his father does other than grinning hugely someone called my attention to this uh, in an email but his features contort a whole awful lot in this uh, in this section Yeah they right. really
0: do. <laughs> He's it Jim Carrey in this thing.
1: <laughs> right yeah. Uh, or like the Grinch when he uh he gets the idea to uh yes. to go down and steal Christmas <laughs> like that that disturbing little scene that's what i imagine the smile curling on itself like yeah. That. yeah so Lex sends him a bunch of music um and he says that it shows him the playlist that she sent him which at first glance appeared to be a mix of songs by only Joan Jett Hart and Pat Benatar but i mean so at second glance did he did he then notice that there
0: <laughs> it was be- Beethoven's fifth yeah and-
1: Django Reinhardt. Uh, um, <laughs> and I thought that he, he missed out on a real good opportunity to turn to the camera and say uh it was a mix of uh Joan Jett Hart and Vice President Pat Benatar. <laughs>
0: uh.
1: Yeah, exactly. With a
0: little sparkle on his
1: tooth or in his eye. Ding. <laughs> but then uh, you know, as we're as we're doing the uh the Kleinian and stuff, he uh he he really goes for broke on this one where he uh I saluted And it made her laugh, of course. But a few seconds in, it somehow turned into a strangled sob. Which uh he's taken the the mood swings to its, its logical endpoint where they're happening within the within the span of a few seconds from high to low. But no face
0: contortion on that, just sobs with no contortion. So yes. it's very disturbing to watch someone cry without <laughs> distorting their face.
1: <laughs> um, so if you had to wager all the money in your wallet over whether uh whether these this guy and thereby his his character proxies liked the movie Pacific Rim, what would you have done? <laughs> Would you have done, you know, rated rated the bank accounts like? <laughs> yes, every put, I would have, wedding ring on the table. Oh,
0: friends and family, a round of money raising from yes, friends God, and family. <laughs>
1: but he so so he says Lex says the pod people always win. That's the smart way to invade, not this Independence Day Pacific Rim job crap.
0: <laughs> yes, I noted the also you know taking a, a sacred thing like Pacific Rim and making it into a disgusting thing. <laughs>
1: So it's a uh, i i would that that caught me off guard. It just when something has drawn his ire like that, it's a uh, you have to imagine he must have an actual beef with like someone who worked on the movie or something. Oh, please see his spoken
0: word poetry about his take on Pacific Rim. It's an hour <laughs> and a half long, and it is riveting.
1: Yes, he cuts himself and smears feces on the stage like Gigi Allen.
0: <laughs> yes. uh, anyway, I want to enlist your help with something. Here's something I noted while they were taken off, ready to engage the battle. Wolverines, Milo shouted. <laughs> then he let out a long, whooping war cry into his comm link, which somehow mixed in perfectly with the war cry, the scorpions were already blasting into my eardrums. So just, you know at your leisure. Wolverines! (laughs) One more time.
3: Wolverines! (laughs)
0: Wolverines!
3: (laughs) Thank
0: you. Thank you. Yes, that meshed perfectly in with the movie that was blasting or the music blasting into my (laughs) eardrums. That's how it went.
1: And I guess, I guess if you're going to make a sort of a blockbuster movie you don't really want to dig deep in the uh, in the catalog of that but but like uh, Sc- scorpions rock you like a hurricane was a was a cliche of like what they do at an air show uh, by the time that like a you know a Simpsons episode where sideshow Bob stole a bomb aired in probably 1995 right uh, right. <laughs> So, you know, I guess it's, you know, if you're if you're using Black Betty and all that, you're just, you know, you might as well be trotting out Salisbury Hill and Papa's got a brand new bag for your for your movie trailers. But right. And but, you know, speaking of cliches, Wody goes on her her war cry is she starts quoting uh, the St. Crispin's Day speech. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. And
1: unironically, un- like
0: I just had to wonder, this has to be from something else again. There's no, no way no, no,
1: the exact same thing.
0: So I wonder, does anybody out there know there has to be some sort of game or it's a quote somebody else is quoting it? Or, and, and the quotes, I assume, are pulled out selectively the same way that he pulls them out. So in other words, I don't think he would have ever heard the whole Agincourt speech or anything. I assume he just knows the little, the little clips of it.
1: No, yeah, the, the first time something like that came up, she quoted Shakespeare, and I think people wrote in to say that it was from Star Trek VI or something. That's the one where they're always quoting Shakespeare, or Christopher Plummer is always quoting Shakespeare. Oh, right, right. And so it's a chance, but, like, you know, that, that speech was so well-known that they named, a, you know, the whole show Band of Brothers after it, right? Right. Exactly. So, yeah. like, yeah, you're not plumbing any new depth by, uh, by ringing, ringing that out. So, yeah, they. Uh, I remember in the early days you said that there was going to be – a, you thought that hauling ass was going to be your uh, your rig of this episode, mm-hmm. which is a, a weird sentence to say out loud. It would not have made any sense to me six months ago. Right. But uh, we got it. We got it. One the uh, the remote sensors detected the first sign of the European Vanguard emerging from the asteroid belt out beyond the orbit of Mars. They were really hauling ass, and so I looked it up, and there was only three variants: haul, hauled, or hauling ass um, oh. throughout the book. So that's unfortunate. I mean, you know, you know, that's probably too too many, but it's. Uh, yeah, it was it was a bummer. That would have been fun if that kept coming up. Shin, uh, they, they, or the, uh, the leader, his father, says, uh, may the force be with us. And then, may the force be with us, Shin repeated with no hint of irony in his voice. And I just noted, no hint of shame either. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, how many times had that been quoted at this point?
1: Uh, I mean, you know, it, I mean, we for Ready Player One, we kept track of the Star Wars references. But this would have just been, you should have just kept track of the pages that didn't have one. Yeah.
0: The chapter 19 ends with, I thought it was, a. there's nothing like jumps out hilariously about it. It's just a very strange thing. He says, after she makes the, um, uh, a gallows humor joke, "I, I laughed out loud. And for several more seconds, I couldn't stop laughing. I'd only just learned the term gallows humor a few months earlier from a book we'd been assigned in American literature about the civil war. <laughs> yeah, a very was strange battling. moment to explain what Gallo's humor was to right. himself and to the audience, and how he knew what it was. I mean, Gallo's humor—I, I think if I said that to you know a six-year-old, he might not know, right. but an eight-year-old, but you know what I mean? It's like it's not an uncommon <laughs> right, yeah. thing.
1: It's an expression that's been—you know—if there was a source material for it, I never even really you know, paid attention to the fact that like, oh, sure, like as you're being led to the gallows, you make that joke. But um, I think it's just his I just learned now I just I, I sort of skimmed over that. But I had thought it was a textbook, but it's an actual literature book. So maybe it's like uh, the Angels. What's that book called? Something like that about the Civil War. It, it's sort of his way of explaining the reference. But he just stops sort of actually saying what the text is here, probably because it's not a, a crappy thing from the 80s. <laughs>
0: But he's back into it, I mean, immediately. Don't don't worry about that, because I, now I remember what it was. He said, uh, I'm here to chew bubblegum and kick ass or yes, whatever. Yes, yeah. From And he
1: does go, go on to explain to you what that is from. And then, yes. Hearing, yeah, hearing says, Chen built out Roddy Piper's battle cry from They Live in Chinese. struck me as one of the funniest things I'd ever heard in my life.
0: So now he understands what gallows humor is. So <laughs> the teacher had failed
1: when tried, trying to explain what it was. Right. The Killer Angels is the book I was looking for there, but uh yeah that's how it ends uh roddy Piper's quip is i guess he refers to it as a battle cry and uh they they move into the to the actual battle and uh, it's really the last happy moment of our book uh, because much bunch of stuff is going to go down here in chapter twenty. But before we get to that, let's let's I guess do our last real or fanfic of this
2: uh, this series.
0: Oh, it's sad that this department has to go away. I mean, soon uh, we obviously we can't do it in our final our final yeah. episode. We uh, can do some tribute or something to it. But.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, although even though, you know, sometimes though, I, though I've read these things and, and see that they are real, some, some of them still don't seem like that to me.
0: I, uh, I can go. Would you like me to go first? Absolutely, please. Uh, I have four. They're short. Okay. So again, for the listeners out there, these are either segments of fan fiction written by people who listen. So they're a little going to be a little craftier than your average fan fiction that we pull off the web because there just is no... Armada fan fiction right. out there. Or they could be real from the upcoming chapters of Armada. So uh, there's so little left that this, gets, this is a narrow pathway to, uh, to try to go down. But here we go. Uh, four brief ones. This is number one. I could only nod. I tried to stay stoic like Han Solo in Empire, but my stomach was flopping. In a way, it was calming to remind myself that Harrison Ford, who played Han Solo, was probably just this nervous when he didn't know what to do.
1: <laughs> oh god that uh that's number one number right. two well, that's terrible it's and i hope that's fake
0: number two his response was as hard as adamantium and i believed him now vamoose she should be here soon he said excitement creeping into his voice i nodded and slipped out of the room rounding the corner just as her approaching reflection glinted in the corridor give it to her good old man i thought no okay Ah! That's number two. You know what that's about. Don't pretend you don't know. Well,
1: yeah, someone someone leaked leaked something, like, in a a Twitter chat, so I know some stuff that's about to happen.
0: Uh, Number three. But then I remembered that we were all about to die, and I figured I'd be royally pissed off, too, if the last thing I'd heard before slipping into sweet oblivion was someone dumping on Carl Sagan, the man whose voice had inspired me my whole life. I guess every (laughs) ape is entitled to his own personal lord and savior. I steadied my grip on the joystick and prepared to go save Shin. That's number 3. And the last one. Quick question Lex I asked, which is better, the original Tears for Fears version of Mad World on the or the one in Donnie Darko? <laughs> trick question. They Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say it's quick question Lex, just to make that clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then trick question, they both rock, Lex replied as she leaped over <laughs> the barrier and back into the fray. Man, I've got to marry that girl, I thought in my head.
1: <laughs> oh man.
0: Oh! All right, so we've got Han Solo and Harrison Ford. We've got okay. Hard as Antimani, Give it to her, Good Old Man. We've got uh, Someone Insulted, Carl Sagan. And we've got the Which is Better, the Tears for Fears, in, or the one in Donnie Darko.
1: I'm... You know, so yeah, someone leaked that like there was a scene about his his parents boning in this next section. Right. So that that second one's very intense. I don't think the first one's real. I think that's that's a step too far. So I think first one is fake. Okay. I just don't think they give it to her hard. I don't think that could be real. Okay. I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say it's fake. I think that uh, what was the third one? Third one was uh, insulting Carl Sagan. Yes. I think that's very, very funny and very clever. I think it's a little too clever, and I think that so I think that that's fake. And I think the fourth one is real. That's pretty good. That's good. Oh. They're all fake. Oh, <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> I'd oh. say that was part of the rules. They could be all fake.
1: Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I done. thought they
0: were all good though. They all could have been. Again, they all could have been in the book.
1: Yeah. I yeah. The the, the other one was good. The hard is antimadium adamantium, but. It just, even for this guy, but you know, we well, think it of that Brady Bunch out. song.
0: Come on, the Brady yeah. Bunch <laughs> song. That is, there's no
1: way that, and you can't go
0: further than that.
1: Yeah. It puts the seed of doubt into your head where you're like, it's, it's, it doesn't seem possible, but yeah, he's, he's reinvented the wheel in terms of what's acceptable in this book again. And again,
0: there are real examples that are far more insane than all four of those that I just read. Yes. <laughs> so it's, it's a dangerous game, but all right. What uh, do you, uh, what do you got
1: for me? All right, so I've got five. Uh, Let's kick it off. Um, I noticed the look on my father's face. It was the exact look that I used just before starting a new Armada mission. It'll be a slaughter, I said, realizing that this could be my last mission. That's the spirit, my father almost cheered. No, my slaughter, I shot back. One ship against the whole Armada? My father grinned at me. There can be only one, he quoted. I felt the exact same goofy grin on my own face. I had watched my father's VHS copy of Highlander, the classic 1986 movie he had just quoted dozens of times, and knew every word by heart. Queen had written songs for the movie, and the best of those songs had made it onto my father's Raid the Arcade mix. Give me the prize, I said, quoting lyrics from one of those songs.
0: Oh, it's perfectly done. Okay.
1: (laughs) I grabbed Deal's phone off of his desk to dial my mother's number only to discover that it was already programmed into his contacts as Pamela Lightman. Why do you have my mom's number saved in your phone? (laughs) Oh, you know why, Stifler, Cruz muttered through from his video window, his voice dripping with innuendo. This was his version of, that's what she said. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Number three, the newcomers were looking over the fighters, their jaws agape in amazement at the sleek super tech ships before them. It's like a Valkyrie fighter from Macross, the first cadet eagerly shouted. No, it's like a Veritech from Robotech, a second shot back, like Roy Fokers' Skull 1. You're both wrong, a third butted in. Any noob can tell that it's the Transformer Jetfire, and the real one, not that Bayformer shit. And none of you are right, a fourth older cadet grunted. It's a Phoenix Hawk L.A.M., classic Battletech style. I could feel myself roll my eyes at their argument. None of them realized they were all talking about the exact same thing, brought on by 30 years of trans-Pacific licensing and legal battles. I knew better and would have happily explained it to all of them were our lives not in imminent peril.
0: Oh, oh I could my feel gosh. myself roll my eyes. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> okay. a tip of the hand, but we'll see.
1: Yeah. Uh, number four. The combination is one one three eight two one one two. Ray said. My father grinned and punched in the numbers. The lock disengaged and he opened the door. The only thing behind it was a row of 10 Ethernet cable ports, just like those on the back of our cable router at home. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> is that it? Uh, one more. One more. Okay. I brought my Interceptor drone down low enough for Lex's Sentinel to grab on. Hey, buy me dinner first, I said, grinning. I heard Lex's laughter over the comm as we flew up towards the Vanguard. Oh, All man. Right. At five. Number uh, one is the uh, Highlander. Number two was a uh, Stifler. That's what she said. Number three was the uh, debate about the thing, and he could feel himself roll his eyes about the robot. Number four was the combination is 11382112. And the last one is, hey, buy me dinner first. Oh, I think
0: one four, and five are the only plausible ones to be real. But let's not go through that argument again. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to say that, oh, man, I think maybe just <laughs>
1: five is real, and the rest are just fanfic. Uh, wrong, wrong, wrong. Uh, there were two real ones in there. Ah. Uh, the real ones were uh, Stifler. Stifler get, was real. Get the <laughs> No way! <laughs> Stibler, no, his, that was his version of "That's what she said." No. I to that one. I flipped to that one in the book, and that was in there. Oh um, man! Because <laughs> they're like they like American Pie just as as much as they like the '80s stuff. Uh, and then the other real one was the combination is one one three eight twenty one twelve. So that's a reference to uh, yeah. THX and Rush in the combination. And his father grins at that. So after what we're about to see. Uh, multiple people dying horribly in the next chapter or whatever. His father's opening is safe, and but the combination of these these horrible references still makes him grin. <laughs> oh, no. I, I <laughs> thought that one was, was plausible, but I never
0: thought the, the Stifler's mom was.
3: Yeah, That's, that's
0: was way off uh, brand for him.
1: To... <laughs> and following it up with him, that's what she said. Oh. Uh, but yeah, 10 Ethernet cable ports, just like those on our cable router at home, was a nice, just horrible detail. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, Highlander one was by, uh, Nick Alex, which I think was really good, but it, I think it just gilded it a bit about the 30 years of trans-Pacific licensing. I mean, it's hilarious. <laughs> right. uh, but I think it just, you know, uh, you know, it's a little too, you know, it's yeah. uh, the, s- the snowboarder celebrating at the, uh, at the last thing and wiping out. Um, and then the, uh, uh buy me dinner first was Janelle. Well, all
0: right. Well, I got done, fooled. everybody. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Once yeah. again, fooled again. It was an amazing effort on everyone's part sending those in. It was especially just because there weren't any out there. So kudos to everyone who sent those in. Thank you for keeping that segment going because that would have been a shame to have to lose out on. We probably had less than a fifty percent hit rate. Oh, I think far less.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: All right, Chapter Twenty opens yeah. with a with a bang for me. Um, okay. His his dad doing his own attempt at Gallo's Humor, whistled the five-note message used to oh, communicate yep. with the friendly ETs in Close Encounters.
1: Yeah, that was my first one, too. I was wondering if we could get an impression of it. la lula ba ba <laughs> is, of course, how that goes. la lula la ba ba
0: <laughs> That rings right in your head, doesn't it? You know exactly yeah. what I'm talking about.
1: <laughs> and he's like, he's quoting something. He's calling them, you know, alien dipshits or something like that. But, uh, Things go downhill quickly after that. The aliens start doing something, and so we get into... This you know these sort of description of these these battles, which just like the video game descriptions in the beginning, were hard to pay attention to just because it's you know it's not engaging. Um, at this point in time, who cares? Yeah, it's um, not
0: as uh, as rich of a, a mind for what we're kind of looking for, and uh, so I think for the most part, <laughs> you and I agree. We'll this will be a little quicker to get through these battles. They're probably, just, yeah. I mean, there's uh, some
1: stuff. There's some stuff that's good. Yeah. But, the, uh, the first thing yeah, I noted
0: was um, that uh, Graham makes the announcement that they're coming. You know, with the we've got company style thing. But his is, knock, knock, Graham shouted over the comm, our guests have arrived. (laughs) I was just thinking, wouldn't it be great if, like, Hugh Grant played him in this, so it was sort of a mumbly version of, uh, 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 knock, knock, I mean, (laughs) our our guests have arrived. (laughs) Sort of the dry British wit doing it, but whoever it is, it's going to be great.
1: Right. I was thinking about Hugh Grant earlier when his dad was recording 23 different messages of his, you know, video thing to send to his mom, like that sort of stumbly, uh, stumbly thing as he's about to call her. But obviously he's not British, so that could never happen. Right. Uh, I thought I thought about when he when he re- has to rely on his own descriptions here instead of, you know, comparing it to to stuff from Masters of the Universe or whatever. Things don't go well when, when he has to resort to that because he he compares uh, the you know initial onslaught. He says, a similar cascade of contained atomic explosions began to light up the enemy ranks out in front of me, like tangled chains of Christmas tree lights being switched on only to short out a second later. Mm-hmm. So that's the rich, the rich image he's giving you. So this this uh, imminent war for the future of our planet, uh, he's comparing it to tangled chains of Christmas tree lights. And there was a couple other good descriptions that I marked You know, once I was looking for them. Um, they don't happen right here, but they did later. They were uh, uh, a fusion reactor detonations kept firing off every few seconds like popcorn. Yeah, um, that's in the the, the dodecahedron, and uh, then he says, "Sentinels standing on the ice shelf below were being picked off like beer cans." So that's a, <laughs> just the rich imagery that you get when you have to rely on your own imagination. <laughs>
0: yeah, there's a section coming up in chapter 21, and it's it's longer than anything you read. I I'm not going to read it on the air, but maybe little bits of it. I do not understand what he's talking about, and it is you know a pivotal moment. And it's just one of those where if you try, you just concentrate, I, my eyebrows are like squinched together and I'm reading it over and over going, wait, what's happening? <laughs> so, yeah, that's and and that's the, uh, you know, the linchpin of the whole thing that that brings right. us into another phase. And I don't even know what happened. So uh, um,
1: but yes, yeah, so as the aliens attack, he uh, they, they do something, they launch some sort of bomb or something. And he says it shakes the ground. And he says, as the moonquake, my first subsided. Yes. <laughs> Like, oh you you don't say this was your first moonquake you know the, you know after you've been on the moon for 3 hours at this point in time Most 18 year olds have felt many many <laughs> moonquakes
3: Uh oh, Debbie man. has
0: a great quip I heard Debbie mutter easy as can beasy to herself over the <laughs> comm Debbie still f- the
1: flush of sex with Admiral Graham Fogg right. on her cheeks <laughs> is cracking right. wise during the battle Right so yeah, imagine you know, like you said earlier, the the Ferris Bueller principal is the person who's who's muttering that as she's gunning these things down. <laughs> at the uh, at the same moment, he hears a thunderous booming explosion up on the surface, followed by a shock wave that shook the Thunderdome violently. So your second moonquake, I think. He didn't you know, he didn't note that he didn't notice this. It. <laughs> the moonquakes came fast and quick. I think that in the next few
0: remaining chapters, that's going to be like the score at the and Ready Player One, where it's just at the top of
1: every chapter.
0: <laughs> Moonquakes I yeah.
1: have felt. It was uh, one who moves. Moonquakes, and then uh, you know the amount of uh, facial contortions that are happening.
0: Uh, so then they get ready for battle. Shin glanced over at Graham, then back at my father. Something unspoken passed between the three men, and I believe the unspoken <laughs> thing was, "Can you believe how much tail we got up here on the moon? <laughs> <laughs> Except you, General, with your insanely hot wife back on. Yeah, on right. Earth.
1: We." Sh- we should have been hauling people up here like, you know, every weekend or so, like, you know, trucking the uh, people in for the dance from the from the girls school across town.
0: Yeah, there's no military prohibition against it, evidently. Not even when they're uh, conscriptions, uh, underage conscriptions.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the the unspoken thing that passes with that glance is that Shin and Milo are going to stay behind um, as the spider bots are infiltrating the, the blast doors. They're going to do the... Uh, Take one for the team, you know, in the literal sense. Yes, indeed. And, uh, oh, speaking of that, that is where our leaked scene comes in. Oh! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there was a curious passage that was, uh, as they were leaving, we could hear Milo and Shin shouting a mix of insults and words of encouragement at each other over our QCOMs as the two of them continues to hold the Spider Fighters at bay. Yeah,
0: I found that... That was a curious sentence. I didn't I've never That's heard that very... before. And so um, as you know I have an in uh, I have some moles at the studio and yeah, yeah. I, I asked about that. I'm like how are you going to handle this scene and most of the time they demur and say wait till the movie comes out. <laughs> but this time they, they said, "Well, you know, it, I'll you catch
1: him a few whiskeys in and they're like feeling loose with the
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or maybe their... <laughs> they were just excited about how they handle it because it's kind of okay. a challenge. So anyway, let's uh, let's run that clip.
1: Chin, Watch your flank. play fighters incoming. Woo! Nice job, buddy. You saved us.
0: <laughs> Thank you, friend.
1: You f***ing piece of shit. We may survive after all, you asshole. <laughs> yeah, take that, you rope.
0: W- w- wait, what? Wait, what? Well, I mean, <laughs> I-, I thought I just heard you insult me. <laughs> no way, buddy. You're my Yoda Kush
1: partner. Come on. Let's give these space goods what they deserve. Woo! Um... Yeah! Yeah! Woo! Ah, <laughs> oh, you're the best. You <laughs> dumb. That <laughs> <laughs> drones on your six. Oh, way to go, <laughs> face. Oh, you suck so much. <laughs> you <laughs> ugly mother. <laughs> you're really hard to look at, and in general, I feel like people take an instant dislike to you. Yeah! Way to go! Way to go! Oh, look. All right. What's going on? What's going on is we're giving these bastards what they deserve. Yeah. And maybe it's just something about your voice. It's somehow both flat and boring, yet manages to be grating at the same time. Hey, pass the doobage, am I right?
0: Do you have a problem with me? I mean, look, we've known each other less than 24 hours. We smoked dope together. We boned on the floor of the Thunderdome. Me, a decorated admiral, and you, a dope-smoking civilian office worker from Philadelphia.
1: (laughs) Are you kidding me? We're together forever, you... Ugly mother... Mother... Whoa,
0: whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, hey, whoa. Now, that is just straight-up ugly racism. Hey, what are you going to do?
1: Hey, I'm from Philly, right?
0: Oh, <laughs> oh Milo. I love you,
1: you wretched f- turd. Wow. That is, <laughs> That's, uh... That is but, the yeah. thrilling stuff. They handled it. Yeah, yeah, they handled it just like they said it was on the page. Like... A mixture of insults and words of encouragement. Yeah, I'm. Uh, they, I'm excited to see this movie now. Did they say whether they were going to like bleep it like that in the actual movie They sort of keep it PG-13?
0: Yeah, that's what I found curious. In order to to keep the tone, obviously uh, of PG-13, the bleeping, which I've never heard in an actual film. That's a, right. that's a weird weird thing to do. But there you go. That's going to be a major <laughs> release coming out. So you heard it here
1: first. Right. So yeah, they're going they're they're going to their death against these spider fighters and they are but the heroes are esca- the other heroes are escaping on some sort of uh tunnel that was existed the entire time. But Milo is putting out his requests. Um he's he says that he wants the school to be named after him. This he is unbelievable. Said, <laughs> named the school after me and put up he says that his mom went to the same school too and that she would get a kick out of this which was struck me as an odd detail name the school after me and and put up a statue like the one they made for Rocky but make mine bigger yes. <laughs> so i just he's 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 he, he, cuz he's from philly you know so i was just imagining you know like and and next time you see santa nail in between the eyes with the d battery for old milo like <laughs> go to pat's and wolf down a whole a whole cheesesteak but those those idiots at gino can suck it so
0: Yeah. You know, what came to mind for me was the, uh, because this is so drawn out and this is like his death scene, you know, what can we do for you, buddy? This reminded me of uh, when Bugs Bunny would trick, uh, you know, the dog chasing him into thinking that he'd actually squished him or something. <laughs> yeah. Hey, do me a favor, will you, Doc? <laughs> and then it just keeps going. Duh, are you sure? After yeah, <laughs> right. we win this war, and then there's a whole paragraph. <laughs> then yeah. build a
1: statue. Oh, okay. Yeah. The dog like scribbling on a notebook, taking notes. Yeah, but make it bigger than the Rocky statue. Bigger than. <laughs> bigger Rocky. than Rocky. Okay. <laughs> Continue to boo Jason Worth when he comes back to play Phillies games. Uh, <laughs> oh, that was delightful. But that's the end of Milo, correct? Yeah, I mean he burned bright. Uh, he showed up. He, <laughs> he 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 was skeptical of our hero at first, but quickly, you know, became warm to him. He never really understood why that was. He was impressed uh, by uh, the general. He, he ate his funyuns. He smoked his weed. You know, and yeah, uh, and then he goes out quoting.
0: The quote from Hell's Heart, I Stab at You. And I was excited, Uh excited to see the Melville quote in here. (laughs) Until one sentence later, he says, This is our hero, says about Milo's Khan quoting. So, no, from uh, The Wrath of Khan. That's where he heard it from. So he. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I said that. That's what makes me think there is no Shakespeare reference in here that didn't come through (laughs) some piece of crap sci fi. It's just impossible because he can't even do the Melville quote, which everyone recognizes as the Melville quote. He calls (laughs) the con quote. Wow. But I suppose that is, of course, true of Milo. So, I mean, maybe I can't fault him on that. Maybe he yeah. did the, the math in his head, like, there's no way Milo read Melville, so <laughs> I'm going to call it con-quoting.
1: I will admit this, you know, just right now, I'll admit it. Uh, for, uh, for many years, I knew that is the quote that uh, Mr. Burns says when he turns out the power on uh, Springfield in uh, Who Shot Mr. Burns hey and i and i wrote a book about whaling so you have to hear about it somewhere first i guess (laughs) uh you know that doesn't justify this at all because after that he goes on to quote people inform me i didn't even look it up because i was disgusted by it he gets cut off mid quote from galaxy quest Ooh, really yeah he says something about something it was the word word i didn't recognize that i assumed came from somewhere but um i've never seen that movie but that's something that people um people like a lot and i can't tell if people like it and it's good or they like it and it's a Klein type of thing. So, yeah, I don't know. I've never, I've never seen it. And you know, when you say these things on the podcast, like people don't listen to these the day we put them out because we put them out and then I stopped thinking about it. But it means that for the next three months, people are going to be like, you should watch Galaxy Quest. (laughs) Right. Um, You know, it's really good. Like, and I'm like, what are you talking? Oh, right. I offhandedly mentioned that I'd never seen it. Well, we edit that out. (laughs) Right.
0: All right, so that's the end of Milo and Shin. They went out smoking and a boning. Uh, <laughs> good for them.
1: Yeah, but, all things considered.
0: But now we're on the run, and are they are they in the real thing? No, they're they're going to the real the real ships now, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they're in a. Uh, they hop into a uh, escape pod that I think was they said was like a last resort, and it was sort of it or the room they're going to was was disabled until it was like code red. This is your last resort to get out of here, just in case people tried to fly the coop um, when they got the moon madness. And it's a it's an action scene again. So it's it was sort of just uh, eyes glazing over, but I assumed that it was um, meant to echo the uh, Jurassic Park uh, scene where they're they're running from the T Rex because essentially they're describing this basilisk of the Europans that is chasing them in this um, pod uh, that is like that that monster. Uh, it's gigantic. Um, And it's sort of running down and swiping in on them with its claws to try to pick them off. This is a
0: term that I, I confess i never heard. What, what is a bas- basilisk normally?
1: What, like, what is that? Do you know oh. what that means? What is it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a, the basilisk lizard is that lizard that can run across the water, the Jesus lizard. Uh-huh. With the sci-fi context, I'm not yeah. positive about. Because I think he's I,
0: used the word before, and I, I never thought to look it up. I assumed it was something. But now he finally describes it, a giant metal praying mantis with enormous scythe-like blades in place of its front legs. So that's a basilisk, I guess. I I would not see a praying mantis and go, look, a basilisk, but I I don't know what... Anyway, (laughs) that's my ignorance. I'm fully confessing to it. I just
1: don't know what a basilisk is. There is something in the Star Wars universe, it appears. War droids, the Old Republic, so... We should have – our ignorance was betrayed there because, of course, there's some sort of ship um, ship like that. But, um, yeah, th- th- that ship does not appear to resemble a uh, fairly normal-looking lizard, which is what the basilisk is in, um, at all either. So, uh. ah,
0: Well, that's a mystery.
1: Now, <laughs> sadly, we have to
0: announce the end of Major Eaton Hog or Mr. Graham Fogg or whatever, Admiral yeah. – Admiral Graham Fogg gets, I think, fairly unceremoniously ripped out of their ship by the Basilisk and thrown against a wall or something
3: like that, Mm
0: -hmm. Um, and they're about to all suffer the same fate until...
1: This was, um, you know, I I don't find a lot of this action well done, but, you know, I have also probably sort of skipped over similar scenes in, like, the Game of Thrones books too, just because it is, like, there's just so much going on, and, and it's obviously just meant to translate into a movie scene, but this was a particular one that I thought was poorly written. Uh, he gets grabbed. Debbie let out an ear-splitting ear scream over the comm just as the basilisk reached back towards Wodi. Chen moved to block its path while my father fired at it with his q laser. The basilisk's other arm smashed through another porthole behind me, but Wodi yanked me clear of it just in the nick of time. So in, in, in one sentence, the basilisk is reaching back towards Wodi, and two, one sentence later, she's pulling him out of the basilisk's other arm just in the nick of time so it was just sort of if you're trying to imagine that it's reaching towards her and this is all happening on top of each other obviously because this is a chaotic scene but then woody is then pulling him away from the asshole's other arm as the other one's reaching towards him I'm i'm not sure what we're supposed to imagine there but that was the one that stood out to me as being especially poor yeah
0: i think that in his own mind he's just he's tossing this to the storyboard people You know, when I I wrote briefly for animation, that's what when you just couldn't think of anything like this happens and this happens. Storyboard, guys, go make this funny and fun and interesting. I don't know how to describe this. (laughs) Sure. I think that's what he's doing in a book. So he's doing it in book form. (laughs) Uh, So he dies. And then uh, Lex is giant. She's uh, again, physically, I don't know what's going on, but some other. Giant controlled by Lex comes and saves them from the basket. Power list. leaps them to safety. Power leaps, and he stutters over the QCOM. Thanks, Lex. That's how it's actually written. <laughs> wow. uh, Thank you. You saved our asses. I owe you one. I mean, you didn't really save their asses, it scissored Debbie's boning partner right in half <laughs> and threw him against a wall. Right? So you saved
1: his ass and a couple, but, you know, too late for Major Graham Fogg. She was just waiting for the, uh, you know, key break in of Thunderstruck by ACDC to kick in before she power leaped. And that <laughs> song has a really long intro to it. So, like, if it had been timed out a bit better or if she had, like, gotten Highway to Hell, which kicks in a bit earlier, she would have power leaped then. Exactly. But, uh, you know, she had to time it up cinematically. Otherwise, it doesn't work. But, yeah, so they uh, – Wody, at, at this point in time, she she quoted another Shakespeare movie, which I looked it up, and it was Henry the Sixth. Yeah, she. That's
0: again a question. There's no way
1: that she or him is reading Henry the Sixth. So where's that from? Right, that's a deep one. Um, I just you know, and it again, it amused me that um, that Wodey has apparently memorized the whole First Folio. That's just good for her. (laughs) Great, sixteen-year-old Shakespeare genius here with us. I wonder if she was quoting, uh, you know, quoting Romeo and Juliet as she was getting busy with that guy who's five years older than her who doesn't speak English. (laughs) Maybe she was uh, digging even deeper
0: into the history plays or probably not the comedies uh, you know, nobody wants (laughs) to hear those. Uh, Then we get a great example of what Klein does so well. He says, then in what seemed like the space of a few seconds... I saw her yep. expression transformed from grief into pure unbridled rage. Yes. <laughs> Again, we're relying on you. You're the man in the spot. We need you. Was it the space of a few seconds?
1: I don't know. But it's a uh, light, lightning quick mood swing. But but it also has no payoff. You know, yeah, usually it disap- if I, if disappears. It, it's like I but,
0: expected her to go into some thing right. that just the out end. or yeah. yeah,
1: go you know full Ralphie and you know start grabbing a, a robot or something but yeah it doesn't pay off so but you have to assume then that she's in this mindset uh until we're told she's not to so i was just that every time we see her in the future i was like so still pure unbridled rage though because she had no outlet for it she didn't uh, you know offload it in any way so I'm, I'm i'm assuming she has that for the rest of the book until we're told she doesn't
0: right it's binary in the klein verse it's either switched on or switched off or we need to see <laughs> a face contort and then we're yes.
1: we're good yeah they 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 go into this room where they have all the chips uh, that they're going to you know fly back to earth in and this is one that I just thought warranted you know almost a moment of silence because what what else can you say at this point in time the fingers of both his hands began to dance across its touchscreen as he tapped icons and navigated submenus almost as fast as commander data
0: <laughs> yes indeed uh <laughs> I knew it would happen, but I figured it might happen. That that was my dumb sentence of the week. Oh, <laughs> no,
1: I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> well, it's... So there it is. <laughs> the, uh, you know, the the chills and the the probably pure, like, you know, shock. These people are probably in shock at this point in time from seeing these other people killed, uh, torn apart in front of them. You have to imagine your own death is imminent at this point because the odds against you uh, of you surviving seem low. But uh, he's watching him do that and thinking about Star Trek, the next generation.
0: And then they start hearing reports about what's happening on Earth. And Chen is concerned about Shanghai. Yes. Shanghai. Yeah. And so his father is talking to him about what's probably going to occur and says, uh, yeah, these people might as well be going up against Godzilla. (laughs) He left it out. But I assume Chen was like, "Uh, hey, man. (laughs) you racist i'm chinese
1: <laughs> right that's obviously why he was making that reference right yeah it had to have been chen was like oh no they're going to be snapping all of our power lines like is that what you're implying <laughs> oh, by- it's, my, it's my only reference to him i liked that he was like uh when these ships are in flight each of them is enclosed in a spherical no inertia field so flying these ships from inside won't seem any different than we're pilot- piloting them remotely And so it's like, okay, sure, Um, you know, if that's what you need to explain this away, uh, wave your hand over that and we'll, we'll accept it. And then he says, except for one thing, of course, if you get shot down piloting one of these, you won't be able to take control of another drone because you'll be dead. When he saw our reactions to this statement, he showed us their main safety feature. But it's like, well, <laughs> again, death is imminent at this point in time. Like, what, what, what was their reaction that made him be like, OK, I'll walk that back. I'll show you the same. Right.
0: Picture. They just saw they just saw one of the three musketeers get scissored in half by a basilisk. <laughs> this is okay. we understand the implications of this. Uh, uh, I said yeah. earlier that I like the way that um, he he runs out of ways to say that people said something. Anybody has to point out that they said it or pronounced or what have you. This one was a good one because it it mixes two two good things. Wodey says, ready to rock shit from my cockpit, Wodey declared. (laughs) (laughs) He stood up and made a declaration. Yes. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, please, could we come to order? Yes. I am ready. Please, down and
1: back, if you could just be silent for a, a moment. The stenographer has their quill in hand, ready to capture this for posterity.
0: <laughs> we have a declaration from Wodey, Gentlemen, yes.
1: please. It, it, it's a scroll that they're, uh, hear ye, hear ye. Yes. Anyway, that's nitpicking, but uh, let it stand. Yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, father is launching these ships. Um, he began to access a series of hardware configuration menus that I'd never seen before. So they were like a moonquake in that sentence. In that sense, he had never, um, (laughs) been in these ships. He had never been on the moon. He had no idea these ships existed, but he'd also never seen the series of hardware configuration menus before. Yeah, please tell me whether or not they were your first. (laughs) Put them in Uh,
0: dashes like he did in (laughs) that.
1: Uh, listener and Trevor called me attention to this, um, This one, this would be one. I wish we had the visual leaked scenes because I would love to see how they interpreted this in the movie. When my father finished working on the bunker's command console, he powered it off, ran down the metal catwalk and jumped into the cockpit of his own Interceptor, sliding down into the leather pilot seat like a kid sliding down a banister. Like, how long is the pilot seat? (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, so I'm picturing, you know, Bart Simpson or something like coolly, like, you know, uh, surfing down this thing, but it doesn't make, it doesn't make much sense to me.
0: Or Chris Farley doing it, and of course, there's a banister knob at the end.
3: <laughs>
1: oh! Yeah, they, uh, they 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 go down to Antarctica because, as you teased, the uh, amoeba has sort of split into two, and uh, one has gone to Shanghai. So um, Shin is is very concerned about his sister. And uh, the rest has gone to Antarctica, which I assume is just, you know, again, done for the, the cinematic aspects of it. I, I don't think that the dodecahedron has any particular reason it needs to be going there. No, I don't think so. And, and then there's the moment,
0: and again, I, I, I refuse to read this. This would be dead air. But there's a, a huge paragraph of the destruction of the dodecahedron where Chen tries to sacrifice himself because he learned on his QCOM that Shanghai is destroyed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he said he said that Shanghai has fallen, and so he just t- he took that to mean that everyone he knows is dead, which is a big assumption. Like, <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> this it's is happening maybe. quickly too. Shang, yeah. Shanghai
0: is just fallen. Like, what do right. they, What does that mean? Like, the aliens have a flag planted on top of the uh, their government <laughs> right. buildings. It's like
1: civilization they... when you just you 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 fight the city long enough that your troops just move in and it becomes one of yours immediately. Like that, uh, um, the computer game civilization. Yeah, concept. exactly. Concept. Civilization. Yeah, so so he's he's doing that. Uh, he's going to launch himself into the dodecahedron. I don't remember if he shouted anything from a star from Shakespeare that was in Star Trek as he did that. Or uh, did he just do
0: the rep? Yeah, I don't think so. He's, he starts counting down, right? So he's just oh, going to self-destruct.
1: Yeah. yeah, he says, they killed my sister, now I'm going to kill them. That was his uh, translated quote. Right. Um, and so they're, they're about to destroy the, the dodecahedron. But this was a really good email someone wrote in. Nick is uh, listening from Australia Uh, and he wrote in, he said that the alien ship he's talking about has a name disruptor. And as we established in the previous podcast, it has uh, two more nicknames, black Betty. And like, there was one more, I forget what it was. Yeah. But anyway, so he says that's, that's the name he gave it. But once he describes it as a dodecahedron, he refers to it exclusively by that shape names be damned. That's as dumb as saying the bread was square. The man sniffed the square appreciatively. (laughs) He loved that fresh square smell. He took a bite out of the square. Um, Or the Death Star was was a giant sphere on the command deck of the sphere. Peter Cushing gave an order to pilot the sphere to Alderaan to test the sphere's next big gun. And I was like, that is a very good point. Like, you establish multiple names for the thing and then refer to it by the shape name, which you then changed at some point in time during the revision process. Because it doesn't matter at all. (laughs) Yeah. Well done Nick that was a good point.
0: So in that confusing paragraph that I won't read uh, somehow his father tries to rescue Chen the, the physics of it the whatever's happening I don't get I only get the beat of it is that his father then l- somehow loses control of his ship and goes into the ocean
1: so they were they're re- reenacting like the early earlier scene that they saw on like a replay that they all stood up and applauded every time they show it which was like this thing has a shield so you have to detonate something to take out the shield and then while it's down detonate one more thing like um in order to actually destroy it so his father was cruising in to be the second one cuz Shen has taken out its Chen has taken out the shields his father's going to go and and uh, blow up his ship in order to destroy the Decahedron. Okay. all right um which his father he, and he's doing like the don't you do it I can't lose you again like type of thing but his father doesn't listen because he's you know going to save the earth so he he blows himself up but he, he he escape pods just like debbie did but he falls into the antarctic ocean the chapter i guess ends with him sort of underwater as well um diving to avoid the explosions but also sort of trying to think he might be able to rescue his father with his um you know claw game claw yeah and the pieces were as he was
0: under the ocean the pieces of the dodecahedron the black betty the whatever are stop, falling on sure. the ocean, like dirt falling on the, a coffin lid? Was that one of things? I think that's what <laughs> Did he, he say that? Something oh, like that, yeah. Sure. That's how it works in the ocean. But then he, he screams out to his father, <laughs> who this the, very few death scenes have this line in it, so I thought it was uh, worth pointing out. Slight language warning here. His dad says, I want you to see blah 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 and I'm gonna do this and he says, I don't want to see anything, you fucking asshole. (laughs) I screamed. (laughs) This is the last time he's going to see or talk to his beloved father who he's only known for ten hours, tops, whatever
1: it is. Right. Wow, yeah. That's uh that's I guess that's his his un unbridled rage, just like Debbie at that point in time. He's sort of channeling that. And maybe that's from uh you know the Star Trek with the whale, maybe, maybe like Chekhov yelled that at the whale in that one. Yeah, <laughs> <That's probably laughs> the, 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 the Save the Whales one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I guess that takes us to the end of the book. I mean, uh, it's I mean to the end of the, 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 end of the section. Yeah, it does have a uh, sort of cliffhanger. Um, his father is underwater, but you know, based on this fan fiction that we've been reading and, and was proven to be true, we've got a lot of a lot of twists coming in terms of. Uh, Deal and uh, Cruz coming back into the picture, his mom coming back into the picture. Oh, Stephen man. Hawking and uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, RIP. Uh, that's that. That's a uh, fun little twist for this to have all happened as we're reading this. Yeah, so I had forgotten there. about
0: uh, Deal and Cruz. Should be that. Should be a great thing. The fact that he didn't bring them in at all, you know, like <laughs> you know, a movie like I don't know, just off the top of my head, Willow or something, where you have the comic characters, like they got to at least they got to come in and act two and do something dumb or, you know, they, you have to remind people, but now the,
1: the mics, right? Yeah. The mics, that, that introduction, which, you know, was quickly forgotten, but yeah, you could have said like, you know, um, you know, the mics had, uh, had blown up Wrigley field by accident on one of their missions, those knuckleheads, like, right. um, you know, I saw, I saw that report and I saw two familiar faces standing over the you know ruins of Mount Rushmore, like, yeah. One of the mics had lodged himself in Abraham Lincoln's nostril, like classic cruise.
0: <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, he's got a lot of work to do. With these. So the, this uh, <laughs> next 372 pages should be a, a crackerjack, a humdinger.
1: Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so we'll finish it up for next time. But yeah, you so you, you burned. Uh, well, let, let's get to our sentences, even though you burned it, because we got a couple. A sentence begins with a capital letter. A capital letter is a letter that's big. A capital letter is not a small letter. A capital letter is big, big, big. A sentence ends
0: with a... Oh, dumb sentence of the week. We we hardly knew ye. That's coming we'll to an find end, a...
1: Let's let's do something special for that live. Let's um let's bring a special, special uh, celebrity
0: gonna, somebody, uh celebrity yeah. guest to come on Someone and read the dumb on dumb guitar. Sentence. Yeah. That'll be
1: special. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the dumb sentence of the week yours was yours was burned unfortunately. What
0: was it again? It was the one about his fingers flying across the screen oh. you know, like oh, right. Commander Data.
1: Like Commander Data. Well, mine uh parallels that one nicely. Uh, because that would have been a fine place to end that sentence without uh, bringing up Commander Data. And uh, mine is, the glaives were packed so tightly. By the way, someone last night posted a picture of a uh, of a glaive fighter sure. uh, with Pro- Professor Fink's uh, face on it. So that was a good thing to see. <laughs> um, the, <laughs> the glaives were packed so tightly in front of me that it seemed difficult to miss. And for a few seconds, I felt invincible and unstoppable. Like I was using the Force. Oh yes. Yeah. He, noted that he one. got he got to the end of that one. He had introduced two concepts very foreign to uh, to any anyone with a functioning brainstem, invincible and unstoppable, both sort of meaning the same thing. And then he needed he's like, you know, nope, yeah, I gotta put this one in Klein, like <laughs> I was using the force. Well done. And like, you know, uh, not to even dwell for 10 seconds longer, but I don't think that's what the force means. I think that Star Wars movies have proven anything to us that the people who use the force still remain exceedingly vulnerable to dying or having your arm cut off or any of those things.
0: I just imagine at that point when he was writing, he wrote under the editor's supervision and he was sitting across the table from him. You know, he was like (laughs) reading a book or something and saw, then glanced up at the screen that Klein was writing on and he got to that part (laughs) and he's like, no, 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 stop, Don't, 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 don't do Klein yes. Klein looking
1: like a little puppy that quickly yes. types in like i was using the damn it damn it yes. it's a uh, it was like he's in a in a hospital and they they gave him the uh, you know pen hours are from uh, 2200 to 2300 and he snuck that right in at the last thing before they took his pen away <laughs> right but yeah a boring sentence
0: oh yeah i have mine i have to you do yours first i have to retrieve mine
1: Mine, uh, it was hard. It was hard just because there were sort of, sort of like uh, I, I gloss over um, during the battle descriptions. But this one sort of um, stood out to me because it contained a rare writing flourish that he didn't give us too often, but it still remained very boring. There was no way the news networks could have pulled together all that footage so quickly, parentheses, and then edited it together for a broadcast. Close parentheses. <laughs> so he's he employs, employs the rare parenthetical, but he's just uh, sort of speculating about how the newscast could have done this and also edited it. Which, like, okay, yeah, we understand how how things come to be on the air, but it's funny to imagine the character uh, racking his brain for the uh, for the editing bays. And you know, maybe they could have en- enlisted some of those European uh, video editors while oh, they we're doing right. it. <laughs> those guys seem efficient and like. Yeah, you got to, in order
0: to pay off on those AVIDs, you've got to keep those edit bays running at all times. They're very expensive <laughs> thing. So I'm sure they were taking on other work.
1: Okay, maybe that's the twist.
0: Uh, here's my boring sentence of the week. Imagine if someone just said this while they were telling you a story, and the story was pushing forward, and then they said this detail. You would say, you'd be so impatient. Here it is. She helped me navigate through menu screens until I located the 12-digit-long numeric code she needed and read it off to her (laughs) it's like yeah 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 i gave her the code support call yeah (laughs) Uh. (laughs) she helped me navigate through menu screens oh god i hope that makes it to the movie and the reading the 12-digit numeric code
1: please please say that isn't cut don't don't leave (laughs) that on the floor it's like uh you know being like so click on the start menu and then it's control panel I don't see control panel. Oh, are you using the uh, Service Pack 2? Like, oh, yeah. Well, okay. Well, then it's going to be under start and then system, then control panel. <laughs> now, unclick the thing.
0: Are you? Do you even see the – is there a box? Okay, you have the earlier version. All right, let's <laughs>
1: – I, I see a purple gorilla on my screen. Like, what is <laughs> – is that part of the thing? You installed the Bonzi buddy on your drone? <laughs> <laughs> Someone keeps on installing it in my office, but I keep reinstalling it. <laughs> Uh, that's one for the kids. Yes, um, indeed. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, that puts us through to the to the end. Uh, I think you just should uh, you know finish the book for the next time. We're going to do the same. We're all curious what happens. Uh, yeah, we've uh, we've got the exciting announcement about the live show. the The links to that are going to be on the social things. We won't let you miss that. But look for that because tickets are available and in theory going fast. Yeah,
0: and I promised I would tease it, and I think we'll just talk this through out here. I don't know how it's going to go. We will do a regular episode. But I'm thinking about maybe a special episode where we let detractors of us come on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, We've discussed this. I said I have one. He is uh, both a man of letters. He is a... (laughs) He, he is an actual professor but he's also well known in the field that in which we all work. He's well known in the arts <laughs> and uh he's he's a friend of mine. He he called me. He is not happy. Not happy at all. So <laughs> so he is willing to come on and defend uh, Ready Player One. I don't know if he. I don't think we got into Armada. I'm sure he would defend it uh, on the same yeah. grounds. I don't think because uh, his he you know defended it tooth and nail. Wow. And I stopped him and just said, "Let's bring it on air." Okay. So we'll do uh, have him on for a special thing, and so stay wow. tuned to find out who that is, and then. <laughs> okay. uh,
1: yeah we have some we have some guys who do a, a podcast too where we've been dancing around with them for a while but they do a, a ready player one fan podcast where they go a page a chapter at a time and these guys are really into it they visited Ernest Klein at like a reading recently they you know have a few bones to pick with us as well um so they want to talk um and i'm still i wrote the guy again i wrote the av club uh guy who reviewed it for, for a different email address I found, but he has uh, not responded to me. <laughs> Which, well, like, that's, who knows what that means. But
0: if he, yeah. if uh, anyone has a line to him and can, has a personal appeal, yeah, I'll uh, have him reach out to us and we'll do a special edition. I'm willing to just sit there and take my lumps. I'm sure we've made <laughs> many, many errors and uh, it'll be, that will be fun and lively, I think.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think it will be, it, it'll be hard to remember all the things, but I think that the things that stand out to us, in our memories of the book that we read four months ago, are going to be the things that really um, serve to counteract those uh, um, arguments that they want to make.
0: Oh, I, I will but, have my little you know detective flip book of uh, right, right, <laughs> exactly. sentences uh, re- at the ready. But uh, okay. maybe that maybe we're coming at it the wrong way. Who knows? Maybe there's something we
1: didn't see. We'll find out. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so we still got T-shirts available. Cow Rig shirt is now available in uh, children's sizes and onesies which I put up because people requested that. People asked for that. And and then I put that up, and someone was like, that's kind of messed up, man. And I'm like, well, listen, like, you don't have to buy it. You don't have to put your kid in it. But if you do put your kid in it, send us a picture because that's hilarious. Uh, those shirts are drawn by Lucas Antoniak. He's very talented. He did our poster for the live event, too, which turned out incredible. Lucas Antoniak, his work is available at riseofthemolecule.com. He 's incredibly nice he's been great to work with on these things, and he's very talented, so check out his stuff and he's, the shirts are on sale. if you listen to this today they 're on sale for fourteen bucks, so go pick one up.
0: Oh and if you uh, sent in some fanfic, Connor, can we put in the uh, on the copy page we'll just put the people's names i don't want to read them all off right here sure. too many, but uh, we'll we'll credit you and thanks again for writing all of those in and uh, come back for our last episode and a special episode yeah, this is 300... and then our live episode yeah we'll put the
1: live one up as a download to
0: yeah all right uh we'll see you soon this is 372 pages we'll never get back
1: God's on